Once again, the marvelous Professor Sam Vatnine. This time he is joined by, I think this is Richard Gannon, who I've been listening to for quite some time. sex. They are not sexual scripts. 
There are no dating scripts. There are no gender roles. There are no guidelines. And this creates enormous confusions regarding what is appropriate and inappropriate behavior and what is a code of conduct. Today, the situation is this. Every relationship has to be negotiated from scratch. My mother and father, my grandmother and grandfather, when they had met and were on the way to becoming a couple, unfortunately for me, when they, when they were in this process, they were guided, they were guided by codes, they were guided by gender roles. So they, they needed to, to go the last mile. They didn't need to, to embark on a thousand mile way, uh, path, uh, march. They just needed to traverse the last mile. Today, if you start a new relationship, you have to negotiate everything. You have to negotiate what it is to be a man, what it is to be a woman, what is acceptable behavior, what's not acceptable behavior, what what constitutes cheating, what constitutes, you know, everything has to be negotiated from scratch in every single relationship. Now, this is destructive. It creates friction. And it's, it's exhausting. Exhausting, bloody exhausting. You took the word out of my mouth, give it back to me. It's exhausting. And so it creates ultimately atomization. People, people give up. People are fucking tired, you know? They don't want to do this anymore. People, this people, day people like this guy. <laughs> no, I'm talking about human beings. Sorry, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Richard. You've been, you've, been, you've been exposed. You've been exposed. So they just give up. And there's a massive process of automation. In the year 2000, the year 2016 was the first year when a majority of, of women and a majority of men didn't have a single contact with the other sex, with the exception of pizza delivery boy. Well, what year was that? 2016. That was the first year that majority of women and majority of men in the West didn't have a single contact, single meaningful contact with a member of the opposite sex. So there's total automation. Now the, the next trend is uh, what is called the stoned revolution. Stoned revolution is not like that, it's a clinical term. Stoned revolution means that women describe themselves more and more using traditional masculine terms. So now we have a situation where women use seven, every seven out of eight self-descriptive words are traditional masculine words. That's women. So we, we, have, we have created what I call unigender. There's a single masculine gender. Femininity has been abolished. There are men with males with penises and males with vaginas. But we're all masculine. This is unigender. Women are breadwinners. Women have surpassed men in a variety of areas. Women are more educated than men, etc., etc. So women have become men and aspire to be men aspire to be actually narcissistic and psychopathic men. So there is a convergence of the speed of the interspecies. There's a convergence between men and, and women. And the politically correct media, uh, mainstream media, adores this uniformity. I mean, embellishes it and promotes it. So today you have the idiotic, moronic phrase, pregnant people. The CNN, I'm kidding you not, the CNN and the New York Times no longer use the word pregnant women. It's pregnant people. It's like saying people with testicles. You know, no 
change pregnant women and, and pregnant people. Like, we are all people. We are not men. We are not women. We are people. And some of us mysteriously get pregnant, you know? <laughs> but we are all people. This is shocking. This is shocking. Eliminating this beautiful difference between the genders, the source, the engine of attraction, the engine of sex, sexuality, the engine of fecundity and fertility, and procreation and recreation. Eliminating this had made us so much poorer, so much poorer. We are utterly impoverished, utterly impoverished. Um, if you have something to say, you have my permission to say it from time to time. Just don't, over, just don't overdo it, please. The point you made earlier about gender roles uh, being abolished, I just want to support that by saying the gender roles are now illegal. They're, they're effectively criminalized. Like, so of course they're abolished. They're not modified. You're 100% right. If you try to suggest a gender role for a man or a woman, as a man or a woman, you're wrong. You can be trans, you can be gay, but if you suggest a man or a woman, if you suggest anybody has a gender-based role, it's essentially a thought crime. It's a thought, so absolutely it's abolished. I, I, I yeah, it's abolished. abolished. The concept of gender has been abolished. Uh, gradually, the concept of sex is abolished via sex fluidity. So we have sexual fluidity, transgender. You mentioned, you mentioned transgender, the transsexual uh, people. They do have their innate experience of not belonging to the biological sex. And there's no no reason for them not to act on this innate feeling and, and change sex. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about gender fluidity and sex fluidity as an ideology. Negating the biological sex and the social cultural gender is patriarchal, evil, malevolent constructs intended to enslave women and so on and so forth. I, it's the ideological crust above all these changes that renders us stultified and, and ultimately nullified from it. So this is fluidity. The, the next uh, trend, I think, is what I call defiant agency. So this this big this big brouhaha about being agentic, you know, you need to you need to reacquire agency. You need to be self-efficacious, and of course that's healthy. Agency and self-efficacy are healthy. They are markers of mental health. But they had been imbued with aggression, and they went from assertiveness to defiance, reckless defiance. So now people show display their agency or their self-efficacy by trampling on other people, by acting recklessly, by being violent and aggressive, by becoming abusive. This is a new, this is a new agentic men and women, you know? Oh, sorry, people. These are the new agentic people, men and women. They will delete this video. Horrible. I'm using, I mean, it became like the N-word, you know? Yes. Men and women, like the N-word. Yes. You're not supposed to say the N-word. Um, so, Benign discourses, because there's always been there's always been a te- there's always been a healthy tension uh, between men and women. There's always been a, a discourse between genders, and these were benign discourses. Um, at least, let's say, in the last hundred years, or 150 years, they, they were benign discourses. Uh, prior to that, some of the discourses were not so benign. <laughs> Women were really mistreated and enslaved, and so there's no question about it. See? But in the last 150 years, it's no longer true. Yeah. All intergender discourse has been essentially benign and constructive. How do I know? Women are far more liberated and emancipated 
had the discourse been malevolent and malignant, women would not have been where they are today. So it, see, it seems that men had participated in the discourse in good faith. Yes. Judging by the outcomes, yes. the discourse had been a good faith discourse. Yeah. And had, it, had it not been, we wouldn't be where we are today. Yes, women. Women would not be where they are today. Yeah, well, sorry, women. Women would be, yeah. Yeah, sorry, uh, women. No, no. People would not be. People, pregnant people, people would vaginas. never be where they are today. Pregnant people would never be where they are today. <laughs> so the intergender dialogue had been corrupted and contaminated, became malignant, owing to this defiance in law of agency. And finally, yes, there is such a thing. Finally, even in my monologues. They come to an end. <laughs> You'll have to carry me on a stretcher before I finish. Nobody carry the audience on some stretchers. <laughs> Bring on the stretchers. Yes. So the last thing I want to I want to point to, and I really am curious to hear your point of view. Seriously, I, I mean it. I mean it. because I've seen some of your videos, and there were there were great insights. There. So I'm very. Oh, thank very, you. Um, there was meant as an insult. So, yes, because <laughs> he's a narcissist, <laughs> but he's a smart one. So the last uh, trend, I think, is what I call the enshrined double standard. Now, there's been always a double standard. Women who behave um, in a certain way sexually were sluts. Men who behave the same way were studs. We all know this. This is the double standard. But what happened is an amazing thing. Women had adopted the male double standard. Yeah. Women, women try to conform to male stereotypes of sexually emancipated women. Yeah. So if you ask chauvinistic males, what do you think about sexually emancipated women? They will say, oh, they're sluts. Yeah. And now there's slight slut pride. Like women are proud to be sluts, but okay. they don't realize that to be a slut is to conform to the most extreme chauvinistic male stereotype. Wow. If you're proud to be a slut, are a chauvinistic men, chauvinistic men's wettest dream. Yes. You conform to his worldview. You so claims of empowerment. Women claim to be empowered. But there are multiple studies, for example, by Lisa Wade, by Kerry Cohen, that demonstrate that the the women who claim to be empowered the most, they are the women who had adopted and internalized and interjected the double standard. Yeah. For example, these, these women told the, told the researchers, uh, I've had like 40 sexual partners, but don't tell anyone because it's shameful, you know? Yeah. So they are emancipated, they're liberated, they are empowered under the carpet, secretly, surreptitiously. Why? Yeah. Because men will think badly of them. Yes. They had adopted the male, the male double standard. And this duality, this self-denial, this self-deception, deception, I think is driving the genders apart. Right. Because women are conforming to specific male stereotypes, and the majority of men find this very off-putting. Mm. Because the majority of men are not chauvinistic, psychopathic, narcissistic men. Yeah. And women are trying to conform to the stereotypes and to the expectations of chauvinistic, psychopathic, narcissistic men. So the majority of men are beginning to find women disgusting, repulsive, and off-putting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I never mean, I never mean words. I mean women, but not words. So 
So there is there is a break, a schism between the, the genders because women are acting acting the part that actually the vast majority of men don't want them to act. And men are acting the part that now women are rejecting because it doesn't sit well with the uh, alpha male, narcissistic, chauvinistic, uh, psychopathic uh, kind of guy, you know, the bad guy. So women, because they are rejecting themselves, when you internalize as a woman, when you internalize this point of view, you actually, you, you actually introject the double standard. When you say, I'm a slut, supposedly it's proud, but actually deep inside you feel shame. So this creates self-harming and self-trashing behaviors. The incidence of sexual self-trashing and other forms of self-harming among women is much, much higher than 40 or 30 or 20 years ago. For example, the incidence of depression among teenage women under the age of 18, and then later in later studies under the age of 25, the incidence of, dep- of depression is up, hold your breath, up 500%. Anxiety disorders among teenage women is up, are, are up more than 350%. These are studies by Twenge and Campbell, and these are studies that terminated in 2008 and 2018. So these are old studies. These are like three, four-year-old studies, the newest ones. I think the situation is much, much worse. Yeah. Why is that? It's long before COVID. Yeah. The influence of social media, of course. But also, I think, the fact that women had internalized male chauvinistic, psychopathic, narcissistic stereotype, and they feel bad with it. They, they don't feel, they feel egotistonic. They feel ashamed. They feel guilty. Mm-hmm. They act this way because they're expected to act this way because they are empowered. Yeah. But deep inside, it sucks. Yes. They feel bad. They feel they feel they are not themselves. They feel they are acting. It's a part. Yes. yes. And, and I think that's self-harming and self-trashing. And anyone, anyone who, who has had sex or a date with a young woman lately would confirm that. It's highly politically incorrect to say this, but it's very true. It is what it is. And I've, I've had uh, there's a few a few girls that make it tacky, Brennan. Two of the three admitted exactly what you said to me over time, slowly, and in their own words, but that they felt like they were compelled to have sex. They just felt tremendous cultural pressure to be promiscuous and to relate that promiscuity to strength. It, it, it was so uh, stereotypical. One girl even showed me a book that she bought that was written. It was, it was written in a foreign language. Uh, uh, Only good girls cry. And it was to teach you how to be a bad girl. I, I want to interject here and make a comment. I know you guys love listening to um, Granite and Vaknin discuss this. But there, I did come across a tape, a tape by Dr. Richard Day, D as in David A.Y. in 1968, that explains all about the gender roles in America and how they were to be obliterated. This was planned probably before 1968, but by 1968, it was in full swing. It has been accomplished. This is a plan of Americans in the United States. And I'll tell you the reason in these tapes by Dr. Richard 
Day, D-A-Y. She's like, I bought this book because my friends recommended the book. And this, I'm like, you know you don't have to do that. What I would say um, is if I was, when I was 28, I wanted a high notch count. I was quite psychopathic. I was practically homeless. I was doing drugs. I was a pretty naughty boy. This would be my wonderland. This version of feminism. These girls say it's feminism. I'm like, well, I studied feminism at university. It doesn't look like feminism to me. This is Wonderland. You take a girl on one date, she will have sex with you that night. Not just sex. I know this is horrible. It's graphic. Some people will be triggered, whatever. They will do everything. They will There's do anything, anything with you now. Absolutely. But a girl, previously, I would have had to have been with her for a year. Don't look at talk me. Talk about it. <laughs> First date or second date. You're right. You you were the one who raised the the, the specter that this may be a form of self harming in our yes. correspondence. You wrote this. Yes. To me. yes. I, I also mentioned it in my videos. Yes, absolutely. I fully agree. It's a form of self trashing and self harming, which is it's self punishment for not being you, for succumbing, for giving in, for for falsifying yourself. You know, I'm not saying that all women are Madonnas or all women are whores. Or I'm not. I mean, it's not. It's not what I'm saying. It's what that's I'm, a, that's I'm such a cheap repast. It's such a cheap repast. Everybody says, oh, you just have a Madonna or complex. Okay, so don't think about what's being no, said. That's just not what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm actually the, the greatest feminist. I'm saying women should free themselves of yeah. the male gaze. The male gaze, what they did instead, they adopted the gaze of the psychopathic, narcissistic male yeah. rather than the gaze of the majority of us majority of you who are not psychopathic and narcissistic and so on. Yeah. So they've alienated something like ninety percent of the main population. Yeah. And they are stuck like, with these ten percent. But so what so what you were saying there, just to back that, uh, the guys in the manosphere, the red pill community, the pickup community, they say with they do these YouTube videos, they keep reporting that on Tinder the women are only getting with eight to ten percent of the men that are there. So that we have hard data that backs this. There's actual statistical data that suggests roughly, you know, eight to ten percent of the men and the rest ignored. And those eight to ten percent of men need to have certain signals. They need to be in a certain category, and they they have a high degree of mate selection. And what they do with that is they don't choose to be monogamous. They choose to mate with multiple women. And Why would they choose to be monogamous? Monogamy is a cost. Yes. Why would you pay? anything for something you get free <laughs> it's not nice to say but women were trading sex yeah. women were trading sex for stability longevity of relationships and childbirth sure. that was a deal yeah. and now they're giving it free yes they're giving it free it's, it's insane of their part Utterly it really is. It's, it's totally self-destructive yeah. and they're calling it self-empowerment and i'm like this is the most disempowering thing you could do and you're like if I was that same guy who just wanted to be as promiscuous as possible, it's never been easier. Ne I don't even have to leave. The I don't have to go to a bar. Well, and I'll find girls within a five-mile radius. And it's it's if you don't approach them sexually straight away and say you're really fit and I like your food, they, they have a problem. They're like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you not? You should be coming on to me sexually immediately. You brainwashed women. You're a simp. You're a beta. I'm not. I'm not interested. It's, um, as you say, totally self-destructive. I watched the video. This, again, will really annoy people. 
But I watched a video of yours where you said, well, think about the value of what you're doing. Like, if we perform a specific sector, and that's between me and you, there's a difference if we've only done it with each other. If you've done it with three other people, that's different. If you've done it with 30 other people, 300 other people, we are reducing the value of what we're doing, even as a man. That's if you point. know that I've done this for 300 other women, you're not going to value, you, you're going to feel a certain way. I know that men and women are different, but you are going to feel a certain way about that because it makes it less special. Then I don't have as much to offer. What I offer is not so special as pedestrian. There's 20 women on my street who've experienced what you just experienced. Anything that is commodified yeah. is devalued. Anything that's commodified is devalued. So, yes, I think I think another another issue is that women feel pressured into into engaging in sex acts, which in the past used to be reserved for intimate partners. One night stands have been around since since biblical times, I assume. But still, until very recently, women and men had maintained a kind of inventory. These acts I'm doing with strangers, and these acts I reserve for intimate partners. I never kiss with strangers. I never lick strangers certain parts of anatomy. I mean, there are some things I never do with a stranger. And I do them only with intimate partners so that my intimate partner can feel special. Yeah. And now this is gone. The specialness is gone. The mystery, the, I mean, it's so sad. It's especially sad for people my age. Yeah. Because I have, I, I had witnessed and experienced it before. Yeah. And now it's gone. Now it's gone, you know? I, I'm, I'm old enough to have seen the cost. Uh, because, you know, when I was dating, when I was 18, that's 1996. And I would say the, the dating scene has changed tremendously. Like, attitudes to men and women... As a man now, though I can have access to, to a woman's body and to her sexually, I won't get close to her mind because I am the enemy. And I am simply a cut-out avatar of an evil man. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter. There's zero trust. It can take years to get any degree of trust now because it's just, like you said, it's, it's ideological. And it's like uh, Gad Saab comes up with that idea of these ideological infections that function like parasites gets into the mind like a virus and you can't fight it there's um the, if you can't mention six, uh, the six things that, that push the genders apart you said something about the communication has become hostile it becomes malignant the assumptions yeah the, the dialogue the intergender dialogue the intergender dialogue you can't dialogue you can only dialogue as their as their cut out avatar of a male and everything outside of that where you'll just get like a bewildered look like what what, what is this talking dildo like what's he trying to talk <laughs> yeah it's it's on the surface is everything is kept on the surface and this this harks back to the first harks back to the first trend invulnerability signaling yes if you let anyone dip in dip inside yes. they're going to see your vulnerabilities and you don't want them to see your vulnerabilities because they can hurt you and they're going to hurt you it's for sure they're gonna hurt you. I mean, that's a, that's a given. Mm-hmm. So you're not gonna let them hurt you. You're not gonna let them in. Well, except in one sense. So, <coughs> so okay, I said, it's, it's I a said, yeah. no, Come a, out of your comfort zone. I don't think economy, so. Which are not captured by the ministry, or actually wrongly captured by the ministry. For example, um, starting a few years ago, majority of women had renounced men psychologically in the sense that they now are actually looking for what the manosphere called beta. Majority.
majority of women since 2018 and in studies and so on and so forth are actually selecting beta males to, to use the manuscript uh, phraseology using beta males or choosing beta selecting beta males even for one night stands because women had adopted narcissistic and psychopathic um, male role models and so now they want to feel superior they want to feel in control so we have studies quite a few i, I have a bibliography on my on my uh, various youtube uh, videos we have recent studies that show that women actually there's been a shift in preference for the first time in human history there's been a shift in preference from alpha successful winners to beta losers women now are seeking beta losers to feel superior and good and so on it's pretty shocking and of course the manosphere guys are denying this but they're no, not updated they're, they're simply not updated no they stick they stick with their rigid ideology of yeah. uh hypergamy yeah. she's always going to choose an alpha over you that's, and that's no longer that's no longer true actually i can see professional women of girls not doing that professional women yeah. who are self-sufficient economically and so on they actually seek better males that they can kind of home uh subjugate at home and kind of rule over and yeah, you know and build those essentially you know, so <laughs> did you hear that okay they want men to roll over play dead i'm in my 70s and i don't want any man who's going to roll over and play dead and if you live in the united states <laughs> if you live in arkansas where i live <laughs> And you're not necessarily verbally abusive, psychologically or mentally or financially abusive. <laughs> My number is 479-244-9352. <laughs> Too crazy out there, right? I appreciate somebody opening the door for me. Women have, women have adopted narcissistic and psychopathic male role, role models rather than good healthy, constructive male role models. I don't know why should, they should seek male role models at all, but they chose the wrong ones, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> a very sad, uh, a very sad yeah, scene. Sad. What's very sad. In the 70s, it used to be... If there was a solution, what do you think the solution would look like? I think um, same-sex relationships are going to explode. Oh, no. Because... A solution that I would enjoy is happening. I mean, why would you why would you go for a poor for a poor imitation if you can have the original? Yeah. So I don't want I don't want a woman who's a who's a crap version of a man. I may as well just get a real man. Yeah, go with oh. a real man. I'm not kidding. Same with women, by the way. Same with women. I mean, why would you go for an effeminate, uh, pseudo feminine man? I mean, just yeah. go for a, for a woman. So I think there will be absolutely an explosion of uh, no. same sex uh, relationships and sexuality. I think there is going to be a lot of, uh, a lot more atomization. So there will be, and we are already seeing this. For example, the frequency of sex and dating among people younger than 35, and especially among people younger than 25, is much lower than among their parents' generation and their parent, their grandparents' generation. So. Uh, no, people under the age of 25 date far less and have sex far, far fewer times than their parents and their grandparents. We are already seeing this. Dating, just to give you a number, to blow your mind, 
saw the decline even. Even hookups. I have a video on hookups where there's a survey of literature, which uh, supports everything I'm saying here. But So we are seeing a situation where people withdraw from any contact with other people, even of the opposite sex if they are heterosexual. Yeah. Well, it makes sense because it's just painful. Yes. It's just a punitive experience. They take I would even, say even, even if it's not painful, it's always frustrating. Yes. Yes. It's very insulting. It's exasperated. Yeah, okay. So, baseline, you're going to be exasperated. You're not really going to get what you're looking for. Yeah. And if you push further into the lobster pot, then you will get you'll get really hurt. So, it's that exasperation all the way to hurt. If you signal vulnerability, yes. if you open up, if you become vulnerable, yeah, you'll get hurt. Hello? And otherwise, you'll have a supercilious, superficial, on-the-surface relationship, which will end in frustration. Because whatever your expectations are, then they're going to be met. So people have given up on each other. They've mm. given up on each other. Mm. Or they gravitate into same-sex uh, relationships or experimental sex relationships. So we have a surge, for example, in swinging, open relationships, open marriages, and so on and so forth. Already 3% of the population identify as open relationships and open marriage. 3% sounds a sounds small number, but it's a gigantic leap. That's from huge. the 1950s, yeah. enormous. So, and people are going to give up on each other. I think ultimately we will all be in skulls and cocooned um, in our small apartments or big apartments or whatever. And we're going to interact digitally and we're going to find sex substitutes. So men had already find, found sex substitutes. The consumption of pornography is through the roof, five times higher than only five years ago. There's a book called The Billion Wicked Thoughts, which documents this phenomenon. So pornography by now is definitely the main substitute to 3D sex. Oh my God. As far as men are concerned. So men consider now pornography to be a full substitute, full-fledged substitute to the real thing. Women are not there yet. Are not there yet, although they're gravitating towards pornography. I think women will need more. So I don't know, sex dogs or whatever. Or maybe, um, maybe digital sex with tactile, tactile input or something. There was, there was a girl that was uh, saying, and uh, she there was that film made about that. Previous from the ages of twenty-one to twenty-four, she sustained a sex-only relationship with a guy, and she said it was my friends with benefits relationship, and I was really sad, and she couldn't understand. She couldn't understand my sadness. I'm like, you're twenty-one. And, and you're engaging it because it takes a degree of cynicism. No, no, sh- I'm not shaming anybody. Who's in yes, it is. That's fine. But Your body's just a receptacle. Oh, yeah. And I was like, didn't you catch feelings? She was like, he would catch feelings. Then I would push him away. Then I would catch feelings. And he would push me away. I was like, that's a recipe for trauma. <laughs> you're not, you're, you're not going to walk away from that. You know, bouncing and happy and full of joy from nope. you're both going to walk away. Just use your hand. We all make mistakes. I make terrible <laughs> mistakes, my friend. But am I being, am I getting old? I mean, that sounds quite cynical for that it was sustained for so long for a 21 year old. What, what, what do you think about that? She gave up. Yeah. She gave up on any alternative, obviously. Yeah. And she settled for what she could get. Lisa Wade, in her studies, describes conversations with young girls between the ages of 15 and, and 30. And she describes, these, these young women say, 
the worst thing you can do is show emotions. You should never cling. You should never ever write to your sex partner after the first uh, sex, the first one night stand. You know, um, they mock, they mock other girls who do this. They say that it's a common practice for men to send them SMSs or text messages saying, "Don't call me again, don't contact me again." It was a one-time thing. They say that there is a code of behavior where both sides intentionally get drunk so that they can blame the drink and say there was nothing there it wasn't emotional it wasn't even sexual we were just drunk so drink had become a kind of alibi drinking had become a kind of alibi it's the alcohol or whatever so there's a whole subculture which encompasses according to lisa wade about 81 percent of young women now lisa lisa wade is the preeminent scholar in the field so she thinks about four-fifths of young women adhere to this code, which is a code of rejection, yeah. a code of alienation, a code of cold detachment, code of, a code of cynicism, and a code of what I call signaling invulnerability. I'm not interested in you. I have no emotion towards you. I'm not even sexually attracted to you. I was bloody drunk. You know? Don't ever call me. Don't dare to write to me. You clingy, needy codependent, disgusting amoeba, you know? And this is the intergender dialogue among the young. It's not 8%, it's 81%. What you're describing actually clears up some of my bewilderment over the last few years, because I think I've dipped in and out of that culture, but without consent, I just didn't, I didn't know. So I'd have these bewildering experiences and all the coordinates were off, and in all three cases, when I followed up and was like trying to take them out during the day and get to know them, they were completely confused, complete and repulsed at first. Like I had to, I was like, "Don't." <laughs> it's creepy. It's so creepy. Get to know me. That is sad. It's creepy. You want to date them after a one night stand? What's wrong with you? You are hey, sicker than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> you need cold therapy. Yeah, in Zurich. <laughs> Come to Switzerland. <laughs> That's where the solution will be in Switzerland. The, the final solution. What do you mean the solution? But but now that you've said it's kind of like a, it's almost like a, a subculture. That that explains how I felt. I was like I've dipped into because it felt like a cold tour. I just didn't know the rules, so I was like dipping in. I do what I've been doing since nineteen ninety five or whatever, and then I'd be looked at like what the bloody hell's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with you trying to share things with me and get to know me? That's really. Really another another phenomenon is cell pornography. So growing numbers of uh, mainly women, but also men, generate pornography mm-hmm. and just give it out. So they have live cams, not for money, not for money, exhibitionistic. So they have live cams or they and they generate cell pornography and put it out. We're talking millions, and um, so this is one one phenomenon, and. Uh, so pornography is a substitute for a connection. It's a temporary kind of thing. You know, I've had a connection for a few minutes. They, there is an objective, self-objectification going on, on a mass scale. Objectification. Like because I don't think the feminists know that. They say, oh, men keep objectifying women. I'm like, see what women are doing. Yeah, I didn't know. Even other women do. They do it to themselves. Themselves, yeah. Aggressively. And very early on in the relationship, I'm being sent nudes. Yeah. And I'm like, 
Nobody asked you. For yeah, and somebody hacked my for me to reciprocate. I'm my absolutely computer and took a picture out. Okay, and that's totally different. I would never send a picture of myself out. Professor Sam Bagnin and to Brennan, Richard Brennan, who's also a psychologist who's been on YouTube for some past 15 years now. And you heard his background about who he was, how he's been, and why he even became a psychotherapist, which I think he's a psychotherapist now. But please, once again, listen to the tape by Dr. Richard Day, taped back in 1968. And it also verify, validate why the sexual scene is what it is today. And I'm really sorry that I, I didn't let uh, my good old Southern men friend, I hate ma'am, but, you know, open the door for me now and then. It's kind of fun. Old time courtesy. Love it. We love it. I appreciate real man. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, I hope you enjoyed my little um, tape there. Thank you for listening. <laughs>